the Radio 1 91FM podcast. From slinging breakfast on Radio 1 to being the mayor who gets it done, it's time for our bi-weekly catch-up with Dunedin's mayor, Esk Walking with Hawkins. Yes, that's what we're doing. I'm joined by the mayor, Aaron Hawkins. Now, Morena to you. Kia good morning. Don't uh, have any wacky April Fool's antics? Surely. Please? I did. I had one. I had one. I did Go it. Go on. Did you hear it? Oh. <laughs> oh, it was about you. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we, we, I told the audience we were going to talk about it now, uh, but we're not because it's obviously not true. Now they can know that. I was just said that you were going to step down uh, and a few other oh. things. <laughs> uh, and believe everything you read. That's right. That's right. Um, never look, let the uh, truth get in the way of uh, news, uh, a good news story. Uh, anyway, um, council. first I want to start off with council. the council officers being attacked. Uh, how are the staff? Uh, quite scary for people who were just going about doing their jobs. Yeah, nobody, um, nobody should be made to feel unsafe in their workplace. Yeah, I think that's a, a fairly fundamental thing, and, and obviously, it was a, 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 a scary morning for our front of house staff, but uh, they've been giving uh, all the support that uh, they uh, that they need and will continue to mm-hmm. um, uh, as as time goes on. But it was physically hurt, but obviously yeah. these are traumatic situations to find yourselves in. Um, uh, we've also uh, closed our, our community engagement space, which we were going to be using, uh, set up for that purpose uh, around the 10-year plan in the, on, the ground, on the ground floor of the Civic Centre, and uh, that has been moved to the, uh, to the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anybody who's looking for our staff and councillors to talk to about the, the 10-year plan, you'll find them in the, in the library as opposed to in that, in that space. But, yeah, it's you know one of those things that you don't ever anticipate. No, happening. no. <laughs> and and you know staff handled it remarkably well. They they do prepare for these situations and manage to look after not just themselves but the members of the public who were uh, at the civic centre uh, at the time. And it's a commendable effort on their part. Good, good. Yes, so it's good to see them getting the support, and hopefully the perpetrator also gets the support that they need. Um, as well, um, because you know, uh, I don't, well, I don't know. Uh, anyway, um, one of the big news stories this morning is the Commerce Commission has released its final decision on Aurora's pricing and limits on how much money they can recover to fix and run the network, the power network, of course, five hundred sixty-three point four million over five years. Um, now, looking at the roughly 90,000 dwellings and businesses throughout the network, uh, if you average that out, which you kind of can't because businesses pay more, but just for, for but uh, you know, per, per household or business, if it averaged out that way, that's $104 per month on the power bill. Um, it equates to roughly $1,250 a month. Um, that uh, and of course, it's not going to be that much because how businesses pay more. Uh, we're going to point that out, but it's still going to be you know roughly around sixty, seventy dollars a month uh, for some for some households. Is that April Fools? Uh, no, and I would um, question your not so much um, numeracy so much as. A methodology. So, you know, we're anticipating 
um, in the in the draft or in the the final decision, uh, the estimated total monthly impact on uh, on average will be twenty twenty two dollars twenty a month um, to household in the uh, in the best part of the Dunedin metropolitan area. Uh, mm-hmm. G150 in Central Otago and Wanford and, and $22 in Queenstown, which is uh, significantly less than uh, what was uh, asked. Oh, sorry, that was sorry, that was in the yeah, that is in the in the final decision, and so and that will always be um, uh, a lot of money for some people. Uh, I appreciate that, but it's important as it always has been through this to uh, note that. The charges aren't based on what they, what you can charge is based on the amount of work that you have done, basically on the network. Yeah, it's a, it's a reasonably highly regulated uh, pricing system. So, had this work happened earlier, as a lot of it probably should have, uh, the impact on what people pay as the lines charges component of their table would have, would have increased earlier. Uh, this is absolutely a a, a sharper. A correction uh, than than is ideal, uh, but uh, in the in the longer term, uh, it wouldn't have made a significant difference to to the lines charges component, and that is only a, a part of um, how much fuel pay yep. or their power. Um, the, the, most of the bulk of the rest of it is left up to the retailers, but yep. um, I mean it's too early um, for us to tell. They didn't get. Uh, much more notice than uh, than you did around the Commerce Commission's final decision. So uh, they're still working through Aurora, still working through what the implications of the decision are for their um, for their work program over that over that period. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so twenty two dollars roughly per household for the entire network, which is roughly households in. Um, Otago around 85,000, I think, something like that. In Dunedin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So it's it's charged charged differently in the the three... Yeah. In the three network areas. That's right, that's right. But, I mean, I think across the three, it averages out about $22 or $23, right? Um, something like that. Anyway, anyway, so I don't know how that plus the business charges would add up to five hundred and sixty-three point four million over five years. But um, anyway, I guess we'll see it when Aurora comes out with the actual pricings. Um, but what about? And one thing I was thinking about was streetlights. Are we going to see a, a rise in rates due to a pricing for what the line charging will be for streetlights? We, I mean, we've been doing a lot of work in the last. Year or two, upgrading the, the streetlights and, and uh, switching out all of the sodium bulbs for uh, LEDs, uh, and, and a, a big part of that was um, the fact that they are cheaper to run, and mm-hmm. not just in terms of the power required to run them, but in terms of you know, how often they need uh, replacing for the ongoing cost of them. So you know, the, the, the cost of streetlighting um, should be. And, uh, as a result of that, and, and the interesting thing about the the, the streetlight network is that uh, we'll have the capacity to uh, use it smarter than we have um, previously in terms of being able to um, you know, turn off sections for events like the Midwinter Carnival, but also um, dim various uh, parts of the network if they're uh, close to you know, sensitive wildlife areas and those sorts of things. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, being able to use things, either infrastructure smarter, uh, should be more efficient from a financial point of view. 
Yeah, that'd be good on John Willie Drive for sure. Um, now, the Commerce Commission also, um, they put a cap on Aurora's recovering, uh, revenue, sorry, um, of, of 10%. Is that um, just for the course of the five years? And what happens after, because I know that a lot of this work is fast-tracked, right? So you need that money now or, or whatever's happening. So once that work is done, hopefully it's just going to be back to usual maintenance uh, and you know upgrades of upgrades are needed um, so the cost of maintaining um, it should just go back to the cost of maintenance uh, instead of just um, you know doing that work that should have already been done so will prices drop after that five-year period and, and what's happening with that cap on revenue will that stay in place after five years uh, I think it's too too early to how what the implication of the final decision is on what Aurora's works program will be over the um, short to medium period. They'll, they'll be working furiously through that now, I would imagine, um, and we'll get a better understanding of that um, in due course. But yeah, the, I mean, it's not what they asked for. It's also not what the draft decision was, which was the other thing that you could probably base some of your planning around. Yeah. Um, so it's a, a, a new set of, of figures that they're currently waiting through but more there'll be more on that uh, sooner rather than later I'd imagine yeah um, now the government's housing plan 3.8 billion for infrastructure for new homes uh, land is needed for that um, so what are our plans around intensification and greenfields rezoning uh, well I, would, I wouldn't go I wouldn't suggest that land is necessarily needed for that um, can be um, found through greenfield development, as you say, but also uh, through um, intensification of existing land and, and uh, upgrading the capacity of your infrastructure to deal with all in the same footprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know that we can't continue to build forever outwards, yeah. um, and not just in terms of managing natural goods, but also protecting what's left of our high-class soils and, uh, and, and things like that. Um, I think certainly focusing government investment on the infrastructure barriers to residential development is smart. Um, I haven't seen uh, much of the the detail on that as to where it would end up. I mean, you could easily uh, suck up $3.8 billion of uh, investment in <laughs> residential development capacity in Auckland. I don't think that would be much of a challenge. So yeah. uh, how, how, that, how that rolls out, uh, I'm not sure. And in terms of what we are doing in the meantime, um, um, submissions have closed on on variation two to the, the yeah. district, the second generation district plan, um, which was particularly aimed at um, increasing uh, residential development in the short to medium term, uh, alongside uh, appeals that are going through mediation on the district plan itself. Many of which are concerned with uh, con- uh, concerned with uh, residential development. So. Um, in terms of where it goes or where it makes the most sense for um, buildings to go and for people to live, um, that is working its way through the planning process and will be in the hands of the commissioners and then ultimately the the Environment Court. Um, meanwhile, you know, we've got in our draft 10-year plan a $1.5 billion capital works program of which nearly two-thirds of that is uh, fixing ageing infrastructure and it doesn't make any sense when you're replacing um, uh, those networks and renewing those networks not to uh, accommodate uh, future growth or uh, you know, existing weather patterns, which means we have to deal with 
or frequent heavy rain events and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because I mean, I don't, you know, we've got record numbers of first years this year. Uh, and they're all going to go have to go somewhere next year, and we're still going to live in a COVID world for the next couple of years. So big OEs are probably out for a little bit. Um, so no doubt the student quarter is going to get quite tight. So building up makes sense, right, in that area. I thought he might have dropped off. I've lost them. Hello. Oh, there you are. There you are. <laughs> and certainly with certainly with a um, with the existing capacity in the network as the city centre as a. And, and that in, that area of town is a is um, ready to go in a way that other parts of the city aren't. And, and certainly, there's a, a particular um, conversation around student accommodation and, and the needs of uh, and the needs of the university and, and accommodating um, students in the in the short to medium term. And, and as you say, first year numbers both at the university and the Polytech are, are well up this year, which is as you would expect in, uh, in the, the current uncertain times. But mm-hmm. there's a lot, there's a, a lot of moving parts, and I think it, it's uh, interesting to think about the different types of housing that is needed to accommodate our particular circumstances here in Dunedin, because you know that that isn't going to be most people aren't going to be catered for or don't necessarily need 350 square metres houses yes. with two bathrooms and three bedrooms on two hectares of land. <laughs> uh, and, 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 you know, younger people or, or smaller families um, or, or smaller households can live in uh, smaller areas at a, at a greater density and are, and are more willing and, and prepared to do that. So getting the getting the mix of, of housing right is, is just as important as um, the, the overall figure of how much or how many people you can accommodate. Yeah, and I guess one of the other things we've got to look out for is the the scrapping of the RMA uh, and what comes in after to replace that in terms of uh, where we can go uh, as well with housing. But, um, right, we'll leave it there. You've got things to do, but thank you for joining me. Thanks, Jamie. Uh, have yourself a wonderful day, and we'll talk again soon. And you. See you, mate. Right, that was the Mayor Aaron Hawkins uh, talking about um, the Commerce Commission's final decision on Aurora's pricing and limits. Uh, a little bit about that. As you said, it's early days yet. Aurora's going to have to work through their pricing. But, you know, you see my math is out. But, I mean, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much businesses pay. That is true. Uh, and I did do it across an Otago-wide thing because Aurora is Otago-wide. Uh, but what the uh, actual impact in terms of price rise for your monthly power bill uh, is yet still to be determined, uh, and we will keep you up to date with that. And then the government's housing plan with $3.4, uh, $3.8 billion for infrastructure, um, what that's going to mean, uh, probably more intensification. We'll have to see what happens with Council Red Tape and the changes to the Resource Management Act with that too, or the scrapping thereof, uh, and what comes in after. That was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.